our official, our official uh, uh, greeter who you see every week's out today. And so uh, I know Sean welcomed you, and Sean, that was beautiful. Thanks for welcoming people. So join us and let's have great fervor uh, for the Lord. You, uh, you've come the on day a day that's, that's, uh, uh, that's right. You've come on a day that's, uh, that's uh, week three of our Worldview series. Um, we've gone through some different worldviews the last couple weeks, and we've come to the conclusion that we're going to trust in our biblical worldview. It takes more faith to... Um, to believe in evolution and to be a secular humanist than it does to be somebody who believes in, in Jesus Christ. So I've got a couple things that um, I want you to help me with this morning. But Jesus, would you give us the direction today that we need that would be honoring to you, that would set the stage for um, a change of life for all of us going home that we could begin to plot and think and premeditate on things that are, that are of you in a time that's very busy and distracting. Jesus, you reign supreme, and I thank you for each person that's here today because you have given us breath, you've given us life, and we are grateful. So help us to find ways to let people know that we're grateful for that. Open our hearts and minds to see things that only through the prompting of your Holy Spirit, through a relationship with you, that can be birthed. We trust you for that ahead of time, and we give you praise ahead of time, Jesus, for all that you're going to do in your precious name. Amen. So think about some things that come up during Christmas that are a little distracting, that... Uh, get our eyes off of Jesus. We know there's ultimate peace with Jesus. There's ultimate direction with Jesus. We know there's ultimate satisfaction with Jesus. So yell out some things that get us off the mark during Christmas or any time. Budget? Yeah. Keep, keep, keep yelling them out. What? Oh, did I hear sports? Are you serious? <laughs> There's a national playoff college game coming up. And I tell you, I can get pretty jazzed. Alabama's back in, baby. Alabama's back in. That hurts my feelings. When somebody heckles from the back and I can't even know who it is. Just kidding. So yeah, so we can get really caught up and I can lose my devotion and my momentum with Jesus because Romans 12.2 says that we get to renew our minds daily in Him. And uh, I've got some, uh, some pretty close friends um, back in Arizona that if they didn't renew their minds in Jesus, I could tell. I could tell because their day went differently. And the frustration level was really high. 
And I could just see that, that because that verse says, if we renew our minds daily in Jesus, we'll discern God's will for the day. His will for the day. His will for the week. His will for life. What else? What else? Because sports really is awesome. What else? Finals can do it. What else? Shopping. Oh, wow. Shopping. Yeah. I get so caught up. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, I'm going to buy somebody a gift, maybe Bo a gift, but then I feel it's okay to buy me a couple gifts. And uh, it's, it's really weird. But, uh, but that's the way that I get dopamine in my brain and that I get extra happy about things. And uh, it's just so unique that uh, the littlest thing can take us off. And I can take the gift giving to others and to myself, like all through Christmas and then through the new year. And then I can just forget the momentum I had with Jesus when he had plans for my life. And I just, I just, I just, I didn't quite get there. I didn't quite know them. So what else? What else? Staying up too late. Oh, no time for Jesus in the morning when we stay up too late sometimes. Uh, that can happen. What else? Self-absorbance. Oh, don't make me hit my head multiple times with that one. Because that, yeah, I love myself. And Jesus is saying, stop loving yourself. I love you more than you can love yourself. And that's enough. Thank you, brother. Oh, I needed some help that time. Good thing I had a Christian brother who was also focused on Jesus. That's a good thing. So it's nice to have friends right with you following Jesus. Oh, it's just incredible. Anybody have anything else? Yeah, church ministry can become daunting. It can be overwhelming. Absolutely. But here's what we want to know is when something happens and something takes you away from time with Jesus, nothing's going to go as nicely as it would have as if you stopped and made that a priority, especially in this season. We're going to talk about Jesus, of course, Christmas Eve, and then we're going to talk about Christmas uh, uh, Eve morning on that Sunday morning about the, uh, the life and the mind and the head and the heart of the Magi. People say, oh, they were just three great kings. No, they weren't. <laughs> Let's learn about the Magi and um, maybe get a different perspective on that. Well, I like to have my clicker here because I don't get very far without it. Um, did I already say thanks for being here today? Yes. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus thanks you for being here today. It's so interesting because he, he delivered his first love, so to speak, Israel, from the Egyptians. And he called him into the promised land. We're going to look at that just a little bit. And um, he, he called them for, for his service, for his benefit, to do life his way. Not, not that they would just totally go and ignore him and forget about him, which they did, which sometimes we do. The littlest things can take us off. Um, anyway, I'm going to check this out. That's kind of cute. Check it out. Yeah, it's kind of cute. Anybody see my water bottle? 
It's a... Oh, my goodness. Jenny, I owe you. Do you know how many times she's bailed me out? And then she keeps them cold. Think about that. She's not only serving others. Yeah, I've got one, but it's cold. Thank you, Jenny. Mm. Thank you. If I have one still out there somewhere, I just have three or four sips out of it. You keep it. It's fine. It's fine. Won't, there won't, I promise you there won't be any, any residual. So roses are red, tulips are two. The only thing that makes sense is a, a biblical worldview. Okay. Yeah, funny or late at night when I was going through it. Um, hey, uh, Don Menick at gmail.com. That got kind of cut off a little bit, but that's Don Menick, uh, D-O-N-M-O-E-N-I-C-H at gmail.com. Um, weekly information, if you want to sign up or tell me you want to be sent, the weekly um, message that I, I give out that just kind of gives an update on different things to the church, uh, certainly not required, but if you desire that and start a correspondence that way, um, there's like almost 40 people now, which is kind of cool that we're emailing every week. But uh, also, let me also talk about this just a quick moment. Remember the Jesus meetings? Or it's something where we wanted people to get together. And we wanted them to, to meet together as Christians or Christian and non-Christian and encourage each other. And uh, it's starting to happen more and more. Heard about two people from the church that, that met yesterday and, uh, and greatly encouraged each other. Learned about a couple of these, mother and daughter from another state. We heard a testimony about that. How a mother started to connect with her daughter and turned it to Jesus, turned it about Jesus in their, in their dialogue. And it's like, yeah, that's a Jesus meeting. So we'll capture that when we start to measure to see how many people we can find that are in partnerships or pairs that are encouraging each other. But uh, husband and wife working together to do the Brown Book. Yes, that was birthed in the service last week that this revelation came. So uh, the, uh, the Brown Book is the discipleship book. Finding someone new at church to meet with where you are the mentor or the mentee. I've got, I've got a list of people. I've got a list of people um, that, that have volunteered, volunteered to receive people that they could mentor. So I've got some ladies and I've got some men. And so uh, if you say, Pastor Don, I trust you. You know, give me a, give me a lady that uh, could encourage me, you know, in the Bible and I could start meeting with a little bit. I can set you up. It'd be a good experience. Or if you're a man, same thing. I've got, I've got men who will be on board and to do that. So that's what we want because anytime you go out and you just focus on the Bible or prayer or Jesus, it pays dividends. Kind of like Romans chapter 12, verse 2, in that you discern God's will for your day, your week, your month. And it's very fruitful. Hey, youth department, Anya, Anya, just real quick, what's the youth doing to set up mentoring opportunities?
Nice. And that, that is added to maybe the 12 people we have already. Right. <gasps> we could be close to 20. Yeah. Talk about a victory. <laughs> could you imagine carrying this around and having a red line up to there? Okay. Um, that didn't do a whole lot for you. But it does for me. And uh, people who have been meeting with friends weekly or periodically... Maybe you talk to them on the phone. Turn the meetings intentionally biblical or turn them prayerful. And it's like, yeah, Paul says in Romans 1.12 that we mutually encourage each other by faith that God gives us. And so enter into that during the week. Enter into that. And you'll go, whoa, that's cool. People are praying for opportunities to get with other people to pray or study or both. Excellent. Okay, hey, review from last week, but first we've got this funny cartoon. Um, well, I think it's funny. It's, it's based on worldview. So based on what your worldview is, because worldview causes you to make all sorts of decisions based on the principles and the, uh, the ideas that you've embraced about life. So yes, most humans call us pests or, or vermin. But a few of them love us as pets. <laughs> Some of you are going, no, 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 no. Um, do you remember the mice? The two mice that were at the, at the mouse hole at the church? And they were, they were knocking on the door. And in the little caption it says, hi, we're here to talk to you about Jesus. <laughs> ah, okay. A review from last week. Essentials to our biblical worldview. I added one from last week to try to throw you off. So we talked about this last week. Remember, we're trying to nail down biblical worldview. We're trying to get it cemented in our heads. We're trying to really embrace it because I've got a survey for you to take home a link for you to go and figure out what percentage of worldview um, are you in terms of biblical worldview. And you can see if you're like, I'm 50% biblical worldview, 50% postmodern. Yeah, give or take. Well, we go, well, you know, that's not a great score. Doesn't change you as a good or bad Christian. It just gives you an indicator of where you are and where you're going to go forward from here. So anyway, essentials to our biblical worldview. Tell me the three things that are not essential to the faith that we profess. There's three things that are just not essential to the drivetrain of salvation and eternity with Jesus. Who wants to yell out the first one? Baptism is not an essential. Yeah, yeah. If you don't get baptized and you're born again and you die, you, you're still going to be with Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one, no one, no one. In the Greek it says, no one <laughs> comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it's like, that's kind of, that's exclusive. 
And some like theologian would say, that's soteriological exclusivism. One way to Christ. I didn't say it. The Bible did. We're not a pluralist. We're not a salvation, a pluralism for salvation. Multiple ways to Christ. That would be problematic. Okay? It goes against what the Bible says. It's like, yeah, okay. Let's learn. Okay. Number one. Good job. What's the second one? Eternal security. Thanks, Ken. Good memory. Eternal security. Not essential. You go, yep, that's right. I believe you can lose your salvation. Okay, I don't. And I've got some texts that I use. But you've got some texts you use. Okay, you're not a heretic. It's within the pale of orthodoxy. Some Christians believe that. You're welcome. We still worship together. It's a great time. It's a great time to be together. So yeah, so eternal security. Not an essential. Not mandatory that we agree on that. Even though we believe... John 10, 27 through 29, that Jesus has his children, okay? He's the great shepherd in the, in the palm of his hand. And then it talks about God in verse 28 and 29, double grip. God has Jesus. Jesus has us. Oh, it's the double grip. No one better to be held by. No one better to be held by. Okay. Hey, by the way, not that I have an attention deficit problem, by the way, I forgot to give you an update on one of our parishioners that fell face down in a parking lot and, uh, and just really smashed his face, Dave Moore. Um, he was released last night, CT, CT scan uh, was negative, no issue. Um, but his eye was so large, he couldn't see out of it. It was so, such a big gash. Um, and swollen, and then he has his nose. He, he sits right here. His seat's still available. <laughs> still warm from last week. And so, and so what's, what's weird is he's got this scar from here to there. I mean, he just, he really looked like he lost an MMA battle. And, uh, and uh, I mean, he really did. And, and he'll, he'll be the first one to say, this is ugly. This is ugly. So, but we're praying for him. We're praying for him. And he's going to get antibiotics, and he went home. And, um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of where he's at and, uh, and where things are with that. So uh, he would love a text if you're praying for him. He'd love a text to, for you to check in with him. That'd be awesome. What's the last thing? Millennial kingdom, thank you. Millennial kingdom, yeah. Not an essential of our drivetrain. Here's the key. Here's the key for remembrance. Here's the key. If you can... Look to the person and work of Christ. All the essentials. All the essentials of what we embrace in Christ are, are encompassed within the person and work of Jesus Christ. Every other one. Every other one. So you can keep that and go from there. Another review from last week. Another review from last week. There's no objective truth. Everything is subjective. That's number that's A there. B... Social and economic theory developed by Karl Marx in the 19th century. C is this one. I don't have a marker for this one, but C is this one right here. Is the process by which multiple worldviews are assimilated into or blended with one another that leads to fundamental changes in one's worldview or behavior. And then last, D, your ultimate fate, is to have no self-conscious existence at all. Your life's 
for simply exists as part of a larger impersonal mass. So which one is Marxism from last week? B, yeah. Yeah, and what that says is it favors socialism and communism over capitalism. That's a worldview. That's one of the worldviews. How about, how, about, how about this? Postmodernism. Which one's postmodernism? A, thank you. You know when there's somebody in the class that says the answer quick and fast? That's the person you go to when you have a test or when you have a quiz because, or you sit next to if you need clarification. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's really cool. So I appreciate that uh, so much. Yeah, postmodernism is A. No objective truth. Everything is subjective. Very good. And uh, how about Eastern mysticism? Yeah, D. And then syncretism. 88% of our population there. 88% of our population. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Hey, um, last but not least. Last but not least here. Here we've got, um, Dorothy's our neighbor. Dorothy's our neighbor. She gave me permission to share this. Hi, Dorothy. Yeah. So, so last week we talked about 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. That was to take a, a thought that wasn't of the Lord, that Satan kind of bombards you with over and over and over. And, and you take that thought, you hold it captive up to God's word. And as you hold it up to God's word, fiddle. If you hold it up to God's word, you find out that you're telling yourself a lie. You're telling yourself a lie. So look at this. Look at this. Please pray for me. I am having a wave of emotions. I am missing Harley so much. I feel like I betrayed him. This was her dog of 14 years. And Harley had a list, a list of things wrong, like this, like this long. So she didn't want Harley to be in pain. And so we just said, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, we learned it on Sunday. Take all thoughts captive that we don't align with the word of God. You made the best decision for Harley praying right now for her. Thank you, my friend. Four hours later, I'm feeling good, thinking positive that I had 14 years with him. At times I feel broken and I don't know what to do without him. Sticking with 2 Corinthians 10.5, trying to memorize it. Okay, I am excited that I get to watch, watch her. Um, we will have a great time together. And that's Jilly. She was going to watch our dog, Jilly, um, um, as, we, as we went overnight. She was going to come over and just feed her and watch, and watch Jilly there. So anyway, some practical application right there for a verse that, that, that came about by the Apostle Paul when they were qu questioning his apostleship and his teaching in Corinth. He gives us that verse. That's, that's for all of us. That's for all of us. Did we practice it? That was a long review. I've never take ten, took ten, taken 10 minutes to review from the week before. I'll, I'll make that a little shorter because uh, that leaves us like only 20, 15, 20 minutes. Cheapers. Anyway. Yeah, that's, that's kind of on my heart here. Hey, when you go home tonight, worldview checkup. What's your worldview? Your answers to the following questions reveal how much you've been shaped by a biblical worldview and influenced by other worldviews. This survey doesn't suggest whether you are a good or bad Christian. Rather, it shows you how you might be able to strengthen your faith in specific ways. 
Please be candid and honest with your answers, giving responses that you really believe and live. Your answers are and will always be kept confidential. I won't have access to them. Nobody will. So if you sign up and take the survey, see, what, see how you come up. If you want to talk to me about what your results, great. If you want to talk because you thought your score was too high or too low, we can talk. We can get you some content to study. And uh, so you'll, you'll approach it just a little bit differently uh, as, you, uh, as we go forward in our Christian faith. That's going to come at the very end, and you have the link in the bottom of your outline. You have the link that you'll cut and paste on the bottom of your outline. Okay, hey, as we, as we close up America's worldview crisis, if you haven't already deduced, we're in a crisis. We have 51% of our society... If you look at the grocery store, the people there, if you look at people at, at the auto store, at the mall, uh, people at the park, and you question and you talk to them, only 6%, only 6% of all adults 18 and plus have a true biblical worldview that really know what they believe and know the facts about biblical worldview. And that survey, again, will help you. Look at this, 19% true, if you say, I'm a born-again Christian, well, the, the survey came back, 19% really knew biblical worldview and uh, the components of biblical worldview. So what that does is it makes us want to study. It makes us want to show ourselves approved. It makes us want to read books that maybe aren't as much fantasy as absolute truth in God's word, Old Testament and new, Old Testament and new. 21% who attend an evangelical church, 1% of, of those in the Catholic faith. And partly because my friends who attend um, a Catholic mass, they keep, the, they keep the sacraments in order to be right with God. That's works-based. That's works-based. And so one of the sacraments is to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Much different. Much different. We trust and we're born again based on Jesus Christ. Then we can keep the sacraments. So, so that's, that's pretty low. That's pretty low of the, of the faith that we're espousing. That's pretty low. We've got to realize it, that that's a real minority. And we've got to do really well to love people really well. Really well. So when they finally get to a point where they're ready to get more information, we can go forward with Jesus. Go forward there. Hey, how can we solve the worldview crisis? How can we solve the worldview crisis? What does it say there? How do we solve it? How do we solve it? Parents! Parents to the rescue! Parents, grandparents, grandparents to the rescue. Because oftentimes parents are really busy. Parents are busy getting their careers in order, uh, uh, just making life work. So parents and grandparents will see some text on that. So the worldview crisis, 6% really of our population 20% in evangelical churches. That would be ours, by the way. 
Now, I tend to believe that people here, in just asking you questions week by week, you're smart. You're advanced. You've got a lot of good scripture, a lot of good content for this biblical worldview. But let's, let's go then and take a step back and say, okay, what can change after today? What can change as a result of all this three-week study on worldviews? Look at that. Parents have the primary responsibility for the worldview development of their children. This is a slide by Dr. George Barna. He was in a, uh, doing a workshop that I attended, and he, he gave me his, his PowerPoint. And uh, I'm, I'm allowed to use select things, but not for profit. <laughs> and so uh, don't be giving me money for this slide, or I'll be in trouble. Uh, not that you would. Don't worry, Pastor. Not an issue. Okay, so, so look at this. Parents have primary responsibility for the worldview development of their children. Look at them scriptures. Look at them scriptures. There's one that just talks about discipline. To have that discipline to train up children. The respect and submission. How about to supply their needs and compassion? And then teach about God and his ways. So for today, for the short time that we have today, check this out. I'm going to focus here, Deuteronomy 4, 9, and 10. And then here, Deuteronomy 6, 2 through 9. That's what we'll focus on. I promise. Nobody gets hurt. Everybody leaves happy. Uh, okay, so... Uh, Maybe Matthew 15, 6. Oh, I just got to tell you. I don't have that in my scripture, but I do have to tell you about Matthew 15, 6. Oh, my goodness. So the Pharisees and the scribes. And this is a bonus, by the way. Wasn't planning to do this, but it just came to mind. Um, and the Pharisees and the scribes, they were, they were trying to um, uh, tell Jesus that, that they were going to save their money they're going to save their money for Yahweh. And, and because they had parents in need, they were justified in not helping their parents because they were going to save their money for, for Yahweh, for a bigger purpose. And Jesus called them on and said, you, that's terrible. You want to love me with your money? You know what? Help your parents. Help your parents. Your, your heart is so far away from me, peeps. That's what he's saying. So anyway, we didn't cover that, but we covered it fast. We covered it fast. Read verses 1 through 6. Uh, it's really powerful. But uh, let's, go to the, uh, let's go to the first one, Deuteronomy 4, 9 and 10. Picture this. Moses, 120 years old. He's ready to die. He's ready to die. And uh, he's, he's ministering to a new generation of people at the end of his ministry. And he's trying to prepare them because they're going to be going into the promised land. Finally, Egyptian captivity. Then after Egyptian captivity, they, they went and they got the Mosaic Law. Then they went into captivity in their own wilderness with themselves because they weren't ready to go to the promised land for another 38 years. So now, finally, a generation has passed. The unbelieving generation is, is, uh, is gone. 
And so he's saying, hey, folks, please remember me. Please remember God. Please remember his commands. When you get people to this promised land, you're going to have a lot of distractions. There's going to be a lot of things to do, and it's going to be so easy to forget about me. That's the context. That's the context. Only take care, verse 9, and keep your soul. And by the way, remember, remember, we're looking at teach about God and his ways. We're looking at that. Teach about God and his ways. This is to, this is to children, grandparents, children, grandparents. Keep this. Oh, keep it that important. Only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. That's your grandchildren. Your children and your grandchildren. We are seeing Moses tell the Israelites to take God's word, his commands, and tell your children, and tell their grandchildren, or tell your grandchildren. And so, I don't know about you, but when your grandchildren come over, or when you're out with your children, my children are old. Okay, then they're mature, and they can take a lot more of you talking about Jesus and your faith, right? Because it doesn't just stop at 18. We don't, we are to remember. Check this out. How on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, that's, that's Mount Sinai, when Moses got the law, the Mosaic law. And so how is this? And again, this group here, probably people over 40 would know about the context and reference about, about Moses getting the law, what was probably little kids at that time, back then. But how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, uh, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on earth, that they may teach their children so. The investment into our kids is paramount. That's Mosaic law. <laughs> We're under a new covenant. <laughs> we, that doesn't apply to us. Well, how about the new covenant, Jeremiah 31, 31, that was foretold 600 years before it happened? And Jesus says, do this. Do this ordinance in remembrance of me. Communion. Communion. So there's still that remembering. You and I have been delivered from a lot of things. We don't build up stones, you know, as a memorial. That was Old Testament. We don't, we don't have these types of remembrances in place. We just trust the old noggin. But then when, when times of famine come, or our spiritual 911 operator is off-duty, we start to panic. And we just 
Humanity is like the same Old Testament and new. Make them known to your children and your children's children. Now get this. Oh my goodness. One more passage. One more passage. And um, we will uh, put a close to this. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. The greatest commandment. Now this is the commandment. By the way, same context. Two chapters forward, same context. Yeah, same context. Getting ready for the, the children of God to pass into the promised land. Okay? Same context here. Same context two chapters later. Now this is the commandment, the statues and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. That you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord, your God, you and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. Hear that your days may be long. So keeping God's word is a way of having longevity in most cases. Not in all cases. Remember, in the New Testament, we're promised every spiritual blessing in Christ, not, not every physical blessing. So, so as we go here, hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. So that falls under our, our category of discipline. And then finally, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Oh, no. Our Lord is one. Can you see how Jews would struggle with Christianity? Jesus is God. Acts 5 says the Holy Spirit is God. Can you see how our God is one? Can you see? And in these synagogues, up until, I don't know what year, they would say that over and over and over and over and over. Our God is one. Our God is one. Our God is one. No chance to believe in three persons, one essence. No chance. Our God is one. Wow. You shall love the Lord with the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. So, oh, and check this out. And they shall be as the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You talk about commitment. You talk about the Jews and having commitment to Yahweh. What that meant was they would have a box that would be strapped by leather here and on the forehead, especially Pharisees. And they would have scripture that would be in the box. But the Pharisees would use that to kind of show that they're a little bit proud and that they're a little bit smart. But that's, that's the commitment. That's the commitment. Then you would have also 
a box on your doorpost with a little scripture in it? I don't do that or anything like that with my grandkids. Shame on me. I'm losing blessing. I'm losing God's blessing right before his eyes and mine. I've got an opportunity to pour into uh, my adult kids and, and turn it to Jesus. Oops. And turn it to, turn it to, and turn it to Jesus. I, I mean, I've got so much potential to, to engage people for the kingdom. And the world's got me believing that it's okay not to do that. It's okay just to skip it. Where do we skip the Old Testament? Where do we skip that? We don't. This is bringing it to our attention. And we're not talking about judgment. We're not talking about God's judgment. We're just talking about a lack of blessing. A lack of blessing in our life. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. We don't do that now. But what do we do with our grandkids? What do we do with our children? What do we do? I'm just the messenger. And so I'm just as responsible to make some changes and get on the phone when Liz is on the phone with Gia in Virginia. And then Mia gets on the phone. I can share a verse. I can share what God's doing in my life. I'm tired. Survivor comes on in 10 minutes. i got to be ready for that. I've got every excuse. I really do, and they're good excuses. So that's, that's where I want to land. That's where I want to end up here. What are we doing to our children, adult children? Oh, they might get offended. Oh, they might go through heck on earth if we're not encouraging them. The alternative, look at the alternative. Oh, said a scripture. Gia's not talking to us for a week now. Okay, get over yourself, honey. Okay, and she will, and she'll come back. But if they know that you're pointing them, and you keep pointing them, and keep pointing them to Jesus, there will be fruit. There will be fruit that will come with that. You may not see it immediately, but down the road as they make decisions. Unbelievable fruit. And grandkids, when you pick up the grandkids and take them out, they're a captive audience. You can drill them with like 10 scriptures in the car and put them in a song. I don't know. But we're fulfilling. We're fulfilling something that's important to God because our kids and grandkids... They'll get to school, and they'll forget immediately. They'll forget. They'll forget the riches of God immediately. They will. They absolutely will. Oh, it's like, well, gosh, I don't want to do that too much. We won't have any real fun. What's real fun? The world is a mirage of fun, but it ends up leading down a path that's gray and dark. We don't want to see our kids fail. We don't want to see our grandkids fail. God's given us this. Hero Israel. This actually starts something called the Shema. And if you read this, and there's some other scriptures, you can Google it, some other scriptures and other books, you can actually see the agreement between God and Israel. And that children were saying this way back from the beginning. 
This is important to God. This is important to God. Okay, um, we must close up. It's only 11.05. We've done really well. Okay, uh, anyway, uh, seven cornerstones to the biblical worldview. Um, you can fill those in in your outline if you're keeping track. Uh, if you're not, just scribble something in and time will go faster. Um, it'll be, uh, in addition to the essentials, in addition to the essentials, <coughs> excuse me, orthodox view of God, Jesus came, he is God, he died for our sins, he arose three days later, that we would have a chance to repent of our sin and accept him as Lord and Savior. How about this? Humans are sinful by nature and every choice we make has consequences. We don't have time to go far into this, but guys, we struggle with the potential of viewing porn. We do. I don't. Okay, more power to you than you could help the rest of us guys. But, but this every choice we make has consequences. I'm a Christian. I don't have consequences to my sin. Poppycock, yes we do. God punishes sin. He punishes sin. He punishes sin. But he gives grace and mercy that we don't get often what we should get. And thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But the one thing with porn, if you study, like, focus on the family, and you get into the fact that you can view some porn, and then, and then all of a sudden, that porn site's not enough. You have to go deeper and darker to get that same dopamine fix and whatever other chemical that's being released. And then that goes to another place of darkness because it just doesn't, it's just not the same amount anymore. And then it goes all the way over here. And then all of a sudden you're, you're having to like do things that are actually dangerous and potentially can lead to death. If you look at the research, the end of the porn line is really, it's death. Look at James chapter 1, verse 13 through 17. The sin full blown. And so guys, sometimes we just, we just, we get bored. We need a pick-me-up. We think it's okay. But it's so destructive. It's funny because I had someone in Arizona that I was working with through this addiction. And um, at, at the same time, uh, the wife was telling my wife, so-and-so views porn. And now it's to the point where he wants me to do the things he's seen on the porn site. That's the kind of thing that's coming if we get hooked. If we get hooked. Ooh, thankfully we're starting uh, Celebrate Recovery in a couple weeks. Uh, uh, January 8th. More, more to come on that for habits and addictions and things like that. Anyway, I wasn't supposed to stop there, but I did. Uh, Jesus Christ is the sole means to salvation through confession of sin, reliance on his forgiveness. The Bible is true, reliable, and relevant. The best moral guide. Absolute truth exists defined by God in Scripture. Success is consistent obedience to God. Oh, my goodness. Success is a consistent obedience to God? That's how it's measured? Oh, brother. Well, I got to stop logging into my bank account and looking at and seeing how my 401k is doing. Uh, I've got that kind of messed up. Success is constant obedience to God. Life's purpose is to know, love, and serve God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. I think we're going to stop there just because. Uh, let's get our singers to come up and bless us with singing. 
Um, at this point in time in the service, just kind of look inside. Look inside. And, uh, and see if there's anything inside that's not quite right. If, if the Holy Spirit is, is convicting you in any way to make any kind of decision, um, we're going to ask you just to raise your hand uh, or share that with somebody uh, or just keep it yourself between you and God. But we want to leave the service uh, completely changed. Leave the service with a different passion and heart for the things of God. Otherwise, it's a check mark. You check off the box and it's over. So, so Jesus, right now, we would just ask for your clear direction. We would ask, Lord, for your, your help. We would ask, Lord, for us to turn our lives over to you. We would ask, Lord, you to help us make decisions that would honor you and forgive us when we don't. Lord, there's so much that you tell us that we can be encouraged by in your, in your words. Excuse me. Lord, there's so much that can bombard us at Christmas. But we're just dealing right now with our kids and our grandkids. And what can we do to, to make light of your gospel that they will remember when they go out to a world that wants to be very heavy and hurtful to them? Oh, Lord Jesus, forgive us when we forget. Forgive us when we, uh, we don't do as you've encouraged us to. But now we have a new hope at New Hope. <laughs> Lord, it's good. And we've got fresh days ahead because you tell us in 1 John 1, 9, and that was written to Christians, that we can confess our sin. You're faithful and just to forgive us our sin. Purify us from all unrighteousness. That's written to Christians. So please, right now, purify us from things that are not pleasing to you. And thank you, Lord, that you allow 180-degree turns. So anybody today that would like to come up and have somebody pray with you, anybody that would like to come to the altar and pray, uh, please do so. Can I, get, can I get some people to come up? Bo and Tabby, would you guys mind coming up? In case somebody wants to come forward and, and, uh, and talk and pray. Feel free to come up if you want prayer. Feel free to come up if you want to pray to receive Jesus. Become born again. Ask Jesus into your heart because he died for you. He puts the ball in your court to decide whether you should come and receive him or not. He gives us all that call. If you look at John chapter 6, verse 44, everyone's got that call in their life, wooed by God to come and fill a void. So if you don't know Jesus, come forward. We'll tell you about Jesus. We'll pray with you. You go, Pastor, I don't have kids or I don't have grandkids. You know what? You've got friends that have kids and grandkids. You can ask for permission to give a gift or talk to them. Lots of options. <laughs>